0: Hi everyone, my name is Brianna and welcome to Crime Fix. Today is International Podcast Day, so happy International Podcast Day to all my fellow podcasters out there. And happy October Eve, it's spooky season basically, so what a better time to listen to a true crime podcast. Today I am going to tell you about the infamous co-ed killer, also known as the co-ed butcher. Edmund Kemper was born in December of 1948 in Burbank California at the age of nine his parents divorced he lived with his mother and sisters but his mother unfortunately was an alcoholic and actually made him sleep in the basement totally locked him in the basement because she feared that he would somehow harm the sisters the daughters but his troubles did start at a very young age. He began torturing and killing family cats, which nowadays we know is a sign of violence. That if they do this, they're probably going to commit further violence. But that, back then, you probably just thought the kid was like weird or something. Um, but because of this behavior, his mother sent him to live with his maternal grandparents. Um, he continued to kill small animals even as a teen, so he often did get in trouble for this by his grandparents. But after an argument on August 27th, 1964, Ed shot his grandmother in the head and twice in the back. When he discovered that his grandfather had returned home, he shot him also. But this was outside in the driveway. As soon as he committed the murder, he called his mother who advised him to actually call the police and turn himself in so ed was deemed a paranoid schizophrenic and sent to a state hospital um it's a maximum security prison that houses mentally ill Inmates um, but well at this facility, social workers and other psychiatrists disagreed with the original diagnosis because he didn't have any symptoms of uh, paranoid schizophrenic. he didn't have hallucinations, he didn't hear voices, you know those type of symptoms that real schizophrenics do have. So he um, excuse me, it was deemed that he had a personality disorder instead. But because he was a model inmate and he had the highest IQ in the facility, he would actually administer the psychologic tests the same one that he had to take to other inmates. And in 1969, on his 21st birthday, he was let out on parole. Although um, it wasn't recommended he go back to his mother, that's who he ended up living with. And in 1972, his juvenile records were completely expunged. But that same year, his killing actually began again. In the summer of 1972, he picked up two Fresno State students, Mary Ann Peschke and Anita Luchessa. Their families immediately reported them missing. And in August, Mary Ann's head was actually discovered in a wooded area in Santa Cruz. But Anita's remains were unfortunately never found. In September, he picked up another girl, a dance student, only 15, Aiko Koo. She was also murdered. The next year, in January, Cindy Shawl was shot and killed. A month later, he committed a double murder. After picking them up at Fresno State, he shot and killed Rosalind Thorpe and Alice Liu. And all of the women he killed, they were sexually violated, dismembered, and then Buried. So at this point, it's very clear that he was necrophiliac. acrophiliac, um, only one of the women he actually raped before killing them, but the rest of them, the bodies were sexually violated after he had already killed them. But his next murder is probably, I think, is definitely the most disturbing. On April 20th, 1973, he bludgeoned his mother in her sleep with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a knife He decapitated her and engaged in a sexual act with the head. So truthfully, I don't know what's worse. Incest, necrophilia. Like it's just two horrible things combined into one, which boggles my mind. I think this is why people find it especially disturbing because it's like two horrible things. But after that act, he placed the head on a shelf yelling at it and actually threw darts at it and he smashed the face in and cut out her tongue and her larynx and then placed um the corpse into a closet he then went out to a local bar for drinks acted like everything was normal and then after returning home he invited his mother's friend sally hallett over for like dinner and a movie She agreed, and he immediately strangled her when she came in. He fled the scene and drove to Colorado. Um, He called the Santa Cruz police to confess his crimes, but they first just didn't even believe him. He had to call a second time for anyone to actually even take him seriously. And in May of 1973, he was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder, um three court psychologists found that he was totally criminally sane and he went to trial in October. The jury also found him criminally sane. And Ed, he actually asked for the death penalty. He wanted to be tortured actually, but of course this was outlawed in California. So instead he was sentenced on um, seven a minimum of seven years and maximum of life for every count. Um, he's still alive, actually, and he's currently in the California Medical Facility, which actually, um, placed other serial killers, like Charles Manson was there before. Um, for parole, he has been denied every time he went for parole. Um, some years he skipped it completely. His latest one was in 2017, and his next one is in 2024, But the guy is like 72, so in four years he's going to be 76. Who even knows if he's still going to be alive at that point? But this was really just a small snippet of the murder. I mean, there's plenty of documentaries, movies. I know he's um, featured on Mine Hunters on Netflix. But just a reminder I have made a Twitter in case you guys just want to talk about any of the cases or just chat. And that's podcast at. Or no, sorry, at podcast crime fix.